and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oaklawn Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, my name is Nicole. Um, I'm a certified peer recovery specialist at Anchor Recovery. Um, I'm also a full-time grad student um, for social work, and I am a person that is in long-term recovery. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Hi, I'm Victoria. I'm the peer recovery specialist at the One Cranston Health Equity Zone. I'm also a person in long-term recovery, and my pronouns are she and her. Thank you both for joining me today. A little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about um, sobriety or long-term recovery from uh, substance abuse. Before we get into that, let's start off as we always do with what have you been reading? So I'm an avid reader. I read sometimes three books a week. Um, So I'm really excited about this part. Um, So at the moment, I'm currently about a third of of the way into In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Um, And before that, I had read two Greg Olson books. The Hive, which is very good. Um, And he also wrote If You Tell, which is um, based on a true story about murder. Um, So that was also very interesting and a very easy read. I read it in one night. And then I've also been in a Neil Gaiman phase lately where I read American Gods, which is also a very good series that I watched after I read the book. And Lastly, Tana French, who's a, an amazing author, she writes these um, Dublin Murder Squad books. It's a series. I think there's eight of them, and I just ate those up. They're very good um, for anyone that likes uh, um, like a true, not a true crime. They're not true stories, but like a crime drama. Um, and they always have an interesting twist at the end, so... That's what I was going to say. I'm sensing a kind of a theme of like crime, mystery, true crime. Yeah, I go through phases. Before that, it was like the historical drama. Um, There was The Vanishing Half. Everybody loves that book. Um, And then there was another one about the Dust Bowl. So I go through these phases. But right now I'm on uh, the crime drama mysteries. What about you, Victoria? Yeah, so... um, I remember as a kid, I used to read a lot and now it's not as much. I'm, I have like always like five books on my bookshelf that I'm reading at one time, uh, but some of them it's been years. Uh, but the book that I most recently read and like couldn't put down was called My Dear Hamilton. I've been a Hamilton fan since it came on Disney Plus, And so I kind of been eating everything up in that regard. And My Dear Hamilton is a historical fiction piece written in the first person of Alexander Hamilton's wife. And so it's kind of like all the events of his life that have unfolded, um, you know, from her perspective. And it's really like beautifully written. And it's also um, the historical accuracy is amazing. And then they even go into detail at the end of the book saying this is what we made up and why based on like other events. And it's it was truly incredible. And then I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And a big part of that is like getting to know myself, understanding myself. And so there are two books that I'm like reading, but then put down. And one of them is about ADHD. It's called You Mean I'm Not Lazy, Crazy, or Stupid. 
um, it's about ADHD and, you know, lazy, crazy and stupid people with ADHD. That's that are three big things that they believe about themselves. And it's really great book about understanding like why I do certain things that I don't understand. And then I'm also reading the body keeps the score. Uh, it's a book about PTSD, very sciencey, um, but so good and just really good. Um, it can get very heavy. Sometimes it like goes into graphic detail about trauma, but um, other than that, it's just really cool. I love the science stuff. Um, yeah, no, the, that sounds fantastic. I might have to pick up my dearest Hamilton because really liked Eliza in the musical. I like kind of wish that there was more of her in a sense. So a book from her perspective sounds like a good time. It's so good. It had me sobbing on an airplane, like to the point where a flight, <laughs> a flight attendant, like had to bring me tissues. <laughs> like, they were like, are, are you, is this girl okay? Like, it's fine. <laughs> and I'm one that's never ashamed to cry in public. <laughs> they like, this is what I'm going through right now. I just got <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm fully accepting, you know, the need to express emotions as a human being. Yeah. Well, I actually, um, I say that, but it's actually probably like a, like a feigned vulnerability thing because I will cry in public when nobody I know is around me, but when there are people who know me, it's a little less. So that's something to look at. (laughs) That's fair with loved ones. It's kind of like even more vulnerable in a sense. Um, But not to get too much like my therapy sessions. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep going about books. Um, So last night I read a graphic novel called Yummy, A History of Desserts. It was a kid's graphic novel, but I think anyone who loves baking or eating desserts um, could probably find a lot there. So each section took on a different kind of dessert and tried to trace it from like the earliest occurrence of that dessert or like a predecessor to that dessert um, through to like modern times. And I also appreciated that it wasn't Eurocentric history of desserts. Um, There were like these story time segments where they would talk about like the legend behind a dessert, which is basically like when we don't know exactly where the origin is, like this is the supposed story behind it. And it wasn't like they picked... Like they pick some desserts that like originated in East Asian cultures or or other cultures. It wasn't like every story time was like the origin of brownies. That was one of them that was like basically white women experimenting in the kitchen made brownies. Um, But then there was one about like mooncakes, which is a big part of Chinese festival. It's like kind of wrapped up in a lot of that tradition. And so I appreciated that it wasn't just like... Let's look at a bunch of Western desserts because you all know them and ignore that other people have been eating sweet stuff in other parts of the world. Yeah, that's awesome. Nicole, you're probably into that. You're a good baker. (laughs) Thank you. I went on a a baking kick when I was vegan um, and I was really into making desserts um, and stuff like that. But I am no longer vegan and I no longer have much time to bake. (laughs) Um, So I haven't been lately, but uh, yeah, that's definitely something I would have been into. It's just interesting um, baking using vegan ingredients because it's not, you know, it's so different than um, what I've been used to my whole life. I mean, it was fun, 
lot of tasty vegan desserts out there. Yeah, but not so much. I was going to say you added like an extra level of difficulty with not just baking, but then like <laughs> vegan baking. Yeah, it actually wasn't too much harder. Oh, well, that's encouraging that. to hear. Nicole made me a vegan cake once when I was also vegan, and um, it was very, it was very tasty. But yeah, like <laughs> you mentioned, the added level of difficulty. I make delicious like box brownies, but other than that, baking is not for me. Because <laughs> when I cook, it's like I'm just going to do what I feel like stuff, which does not work for baking at all. No. <laughs> that vegan cake recipe um, that I used for your cake, it was like a one in a million, like the best vegan chocolate cake. I've ever eaten. It's even better than non-vegan chocolate cake, I thought. It's just a really good recipe. It was great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So besides reading, have you been watching anything lately that you've really been enjoying? Um, I always have a show that I like try to try to watch that like with new episodes, but there's also always the comfort shows. Um, so I've actually gotten back into Grey's Anatomy. I stopped watching about 10 years ago when they were at season eight. I rewatched it from the beginning. I'm on about season 10 right now. And so I know I'm really grateful because I'll be like good for that for a while. You know, some of the shows that I watch that I'll watch like in a weekend when the new seasons come out or the Netflix shows like You and uh, Stranger Things, all those good ones. And then my comfort show right now, is Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it's so fun to just see all the bad 90s like hairstyles and cheesy lines. It's <laughs> like it's so so funny. They're like teenagers but they talk like they're 35. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz they were 35 probably exactly. in the 90s. <laughs> all teenagers are played by people who are at least 25 if not older. But yeah, that's a real throwback. I think that's a show that I, that that missed me. I was a little bit too young for Dawson's Creek. It missed me too. I I never watched Dawson's Creek growing up, but I think me and Victoria are around the same age. I think at the time when it came out, I was too young, but it was like it ended up on Netflix like over 10 years ago and so yeah. uh that's how I that's how I got into it. So um, it is interesting. Another one that this reminded me of, though, that I was also, I think, too young when it started, but then got into like in high school is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's another comfort show of mine sometimes. See, when you were saying that, I was thinking about Buffy because that's another one that I was like, missed it the first time around, but everyone says that it was great and I should watch it, but then just have never gotten to it. It's so good. It's so great. It's just Sarah Michelle Gellar just, you know, there's like that myth in media where it's like a woman can either be like frilly and pretty or strong and Buffy's both of those. And it's just her acting range is just incredible. And I'm yeah, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, that that the pinnacle for me of, of a female character who's allowed to be like three dimensional yeah. and feminine at the same time is Kaylee from Firefly. I love that she was like super into engineering and she's like super good at it. She's like galaxy brain when it comes to all of the engineering stuff. But then she also like sees a frilly dress in the window and she's like, I want that. I also want to be feminine. And I just, <laughs> I love it. So <laughs> we jumped out a bit of a nostalgia train, but uh, Nicole, <laughs> what have you been watching lately? Um, so the last thing I watched was Yellowstone. I'm still My watching My parents it. are super into it. Um, I'm really bad at watching TV. So, uh, 
I don't watch a lot, but I just find I could start something and then I just forget about it. Or it's like the time of the day where I could be watching TV. I prefer to read. So I never really get into anything. But speaking of comfort shows, this is really embarrassing. But for some reason, for the past, like, I don't know, like five or six years, maybe longer, um, I watch, I compulsively watch Pretty Little Liars. Like, I've seen every season. There's seven seasons, probably 10 times over. I'll just put on a random episode, like, if I'm feeling down. Like, it's just one of the shows that I, I don't know. It's comforting to me. Like, solving a mystery with your best friends, that just sounds like the best thing that could ever happen. It sounds like so much fun. So that's, like, my comfort show. And also... Like I mentioned before, I did start, not finish, watching the American Gods um, series based that was based on the book. And, oh, there's a show, I think it's on Amazon Prime, it's called The Affair. And that really sucked me, and I finished that one. It was a couple seasons. Um, very, very good show about an affair, but it also involves murder and betrayal and just so many other layers. Um, oh, there's a couple more, actually. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix was really, really great. It was like kind of dark, and I think it had a lot of hidden, um, hidden messages about like religion and and spirituality. And lastly, the last series that I actually finished was Broad Church, which surprisingly about um, detectives and they are solving murders together and. I think there's three seasons but i enjoyed that a lot i watched like the first episode of broad church when it like first came mm-hmm. out because i was like david Tennant, i gotta watch it because he's in it and then i just like never it just never circled back yeah it took me a couple episodes to get sucked in and i also had to put on the captions because the the accent especially when they talk fast it can be i could get lost I wonder, probably not because there's so much American media that goes into the UK and other English-speaking countries. I was going to say, I wonder if people in in the UK are like, these Americans, I can't understand them. Their accent's so (laughs) weird. But probably not because they're just so used to hearing Americans on television. It's possible, though, because, you know, a lot of the accents in the UK... It's like almost like they're not speaking English. Like Scottish accents are just a whole nother world. <laughs> I'm just curious what a person from the UK would think about Rhode Islanders. Like if they would think that we were from Boston or or like just not know what to do with us. It's kind of Boston, but it's like also kind of its own thing. And I've been told that I have a pretty thick Rhode Island regional accent by people who didn't like grow up here but I don't notice it at all so yeah I feel I don't know food for thought yeah my I'm very prone to like switching up my accent not so much when people are around me but it's very interesting my dad lives in Florida and um it it feels like my accent gets thicker my sister will be like you don't talk that way when we're when we're up at home and I'm like I don't know why but I'll be like large iced coffee and <laughs> maybe it's like me just aching to be home or something but then it's funny yeah. when I spend a little bit of time with my dad's family um they're Honduran and then I come back and I'll notice myself like accidentally like having a Spanish accent that I didn't have a week ago and so what's that about <laughs> 
I think it's like a known phenomenon that they've talked about people like we as humans kind of want to mimic the humans around us because we want them to like us. And so it's like, oh, we want to be more like them and kind of absorb some of their stuff in order to prove that we're like all in the same in group and that we're familiar and therefore good and safe, I guess. Right. That was like a real boiling down and paraphrasing of various actual scientific papers that I've read. So like, go look it up and find out what the actual social science about it is. But that's the gist from what I can remember. That's awesome. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Udemy is an online learning platform for adults who want to improve work-related skills or further develop a personal interest. Users can search through more than 4,000 continuously updated on-demand video courses across 75 categories, including business, technology, design, and more. All courses are taught by world-class instructors and offer a tailor-made learning experience for those who want to learn new technologies and skills to stay competitive in the changing workforce. All you need to get started is your library card and a Google or Microsoft account. You can find more information about how to sign up for Udemy at cranstonlibrary.org by clicking the link that says online resources you can use now. Cranston Public Library is pleased to bring poetry to our patrons all without leaving the comfort of home. No internet, computer, or smartphone required. A recorded poem read by a CPL staff member will be available every Tuesday afternoon. To listen, call 401-900-1090 and be sure to check back weekly to hear what's new. For more information about this service, please visit cranstonlibrary.org slash on the line. I want us to have enough time to talk about being in recovery or starting your recovery journey. Um, Our idea for this episode was that this is a tough time of year for a lot of people who are in recovery or who are struggling with substance abuse. Um, So we wanted to supply some resources and point people in the right direction if they're looking to get help. So like, I think that I know a little bit about why this time of the year is hard for a lot of people, Um, but to get a more informed and expert answer, um, who either of you who want to jump in about it, but talk a little bit about why people who are struggling or who are in recovery that you know in your life might need a little extra support this time of year. I I think there's a lot of different reasons why this time of year might be harder um, than other times for people. And I think a lot that has to do with it is just the whole celebration aspect. Um, A lot of people, especially people in early recovery, associate like family gatherings or any sort of party or celebration with drinking. Um, And there's a lot of partying and family celebrations this time of year. Also, I think that not everybody's family life is perfect, and the people that are closest to us are the ones that can really trigger us the most. So a lot of times being with family in, um, in early recovery can be really triggering. It can bring up those um, like feelings of anger or inadequacy, um, 
or just remind us of the the things that, you know, set us over the edge before, you know, you go into those situations and you're lacking the coping skills that you've used previously, which are drugs and alcohol, and you can't use those anymore. So it's like, what do you do? Um, so it is really important to have other coping skills and have a network and go into these situations prepared to prevent anything from happening. Um, and also on the other side of it is the people that don't have family or don't have any support. And, you know, this time of year encourages like love and togetherness and family. And if you don't have that in your life, I can see how that could be really depressing, um, and be a source of sadness. Um, so a lot of people, you know, cope with feelings like that by using drugs and alcohol. And when you can't use those, you know, you feel the pain more. You're not able to numb out those things that, uh, you had been able to previously. And there's just a lot, I feel like there's a lot of those types of situations and experiences like clumped together in a small amount of time, like, you know, the holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate and there's New Year's and yeah. So it just, it, Thanksgiving for all that. So it just seems like a very, uh, I don't know, it could be a tricky time of year for a lot of people. Also the financial aspect of it, that's a source of anxiety for me. Um, you know, the pressure to buy gifts for everybody, maybe not having enough money to buy gifts for everybody. It's, um, it's just, I feel like it's a high anxiety time for everyone and people that struggle, struggle with substance use disorder. They, um, have not always, uh, accumulated the tools to deal with, um, these hard situations. Uh, Nicole, you hit the nail on the head. I don't think there's anything that I could add. You summed it up so perfectly. You know, there's the big emotions, especially like when you're new in recovery, like Nicole said, and you're suppressing all these things the being new in recovery is like a you have like a magnifying glass on all your emotions and it's um really rough the loneliness and there's that too and then yeah the celebration you know a lot of people come into recovery and they're like how am I supposed to have fun without drugs and alcohol it seems physically impossible um and so Nicole you had talked about especially people who are in early recovery you know having kind of a plan and having new coping tools or or a plan of some possible new coping tools to go into these situations with. Um, I know you can really only speak from your experience, either your personal experience and also your experience working with other people who are in recovery. But, and either of you who want to jump in, do you have any advice for people about what some of those new tools could be? Yeah, so... What's always worked well for me is taking my own car to these uh, gatherings. I know not everybody has that option, but if you do, um, like for me, even now, like knowing that I can leave whenever I want is just such a comfort. You know, it's like you have a way out if you need to. You don't have to stick around and and feel these things. Like you can leave. Um, also bringing somebody with you that's also in recovery um, is extremely helpful. Um, having people that you can't, that you know you can call, especially people in recovery, because people in recovery don't care if you call them on Christmas or Christmas Eve or while they're with their families, like they're going to pick up. So having those, um, just having that network, you could also 
beforehand to see if there's a meeting nearby. If you don't have a car and you need to get away and you want to walk to a meeting. Um, some people take walks just to distance themselves from the gathering when they need to. I even, I just read this blog the other day and it was saying about how if you need space or you just need to breathe, um, just go to the bathroom. Like say you have to go to the bathroom, shut the door, lock the door, like take as much time as you need. You don't have, no one has to know that you're struggling. Like just go to the bathroom. Um, yeah. And that's all I can really think of off the top of my head. Um, Nicole said, that's all I can think of. You said so much. That was so good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like I think plan ahead is kind of um, one of the biggest things I know for me, I, I uh, entered recovery from substance use disorder December 14th. So, uh, so like Christmas, I was like 10 days abstinence and not knowing what I was doing. And, you know, New Year's Eve was a week after that. And so I was freaking out, but um, you know, the reason I was able to enter recovery and maintain my recovery is because there were so many resources made available to me through like 12 step programs. And, you know, I have my spiritual component and, um, you know, even like therapy, whatever. I think for me, it was just like using those resources. You know, I went to places that I needed to go. I like, I did my crying. Um, like, like we talked about, like usually in a large group setting, um, it's a lot harder to cry in front of someone one-on-one. Um, but, you know, and I also, I took suggestions of other people, you know, just random things from, like Nicole said, find a meeting that's going to be nearby because I was in Miami at my dad's house for New Year's Eve. And, you know, he's like, you can find it. You'll be able to find it. Also, one thing that somebody told me that I don't know why it was so helpful. It's so simple. But like, make sure you have like a drink on you that's not alcohol all the time. And, you know, and he's like, you can even like get creative with it. Like club soda with lime isn't something that I would like think to drink. But now it's kind of like one of my go-to beverages when I'm like out to eat or something like that. And that I don't I don't know exactly why that was so helpful because it's just so simple. But um, it did like maybe just the fact that I thought I needed to have a drink in hand all the time. Um, That was great. And then like Nicole said, like having a network, too, is um so important. Just having somebody you can uh, call who gets it. You know, oftentimes there are people in our lives who truly care about us and want to see us do better, but there is just nothing as helpful as someone who's like been where you are and they're like, here's how I got out of that. So Victoria, you were talking about having resources, knowing where your resources were. Do both of you have some places or even that can be reached by phone uh, for people who are looking for support? Um, So I work at Anchor. We have two locations. One is in Warwick on Centerville Road, right near the YMCA. And the Providence location is located on 310 Reservoir Ave. It's on the Cranston Providence line. Um, and we're a peer recovery support based organization. And you could come into Anchor. We have meetings, we have groups, we have uh, computers, like places you can just hang out. Um, you're always welcome. Nothing costs any money. You could sign up for a coach and have, um, like Victoria said, oh, that it, you can't, there's nothing compared to like somebody who's already been there and been through it. Um, and that's the whole idea behind like peer support. We're all in recovery. Um, it also takes like the element of judgment out of it for a lot of people. And um, yeah, but besides Anchor, there are still a lot of other, you know, great places that want to help people with um, substance use disorder, like where Victoria works. 
Yeah, I know during the holidays, there's still somebody that answers the phone at Anchor if you wanted to talk. We have a website you could go on. Um, to, you could sign up for a coach online if you don't have time to come in person, or you can call somebody. There's a phone number on there as well. You can just call in. Um, I'm not sure if the building will be open on Christmas, but I do know that there are places like they call them alkathons or narcathons, and it's like 24-hour meetings. Um, I think... I'm pretty sure they have one at Amos house this year. They used to have one at Amos house. I'm not sure if it's there this year. Um, just as simple as Googling it. But um, those places, if you don't want to be alone or you just want to make sure you're around safe people and have people to talk to, um, it's a great place to go. Uh, we're definitely, I believe, so blessed to be living in this, um, like in this time, like as far as recovery goes, because, you know, like a hundred years ago, uh, you were struggling with substances, you either ended up in prison or an institution, um, you know, and then 12 step, the 12 steps came around and that's how a lot of people, uh, got their recovery. And, um, they were extremely helpful in like revolutionizing, uh, the way that people look at it. And then now even more so with like, um, peer support services being out there, like all over the nation. I know that Rhode Island is, um, you know, we're like, you know, I'm not going to brag, but I am going to brag. We're like one of the front run runners. A lot of stuff that we do, like people in other states, um, you know, kind of use our models for that. And, um, but yeah, Nicole talked about Anchor. There are other recovery community centers in other uh, parts of the state. There's, uh, which I wouldn't be able to tell you the addresses, but there's um, Hope Recovery Centers. Uh, there, There's like the East Bay Recovery Centers in Bristol and Warren. Um, those recovery centers, I'm like so grateful for. That's how I got like anchor recovery community center. That's where, uh, any of the resources that I accessed, I think with the exception of the church that I started attending, um, but like, I can't even say how, how much they changed my life. Um, you know, so there's that. And then as far as what we do with the Hez here, um, you know, the Hez does a lot of great things for people's health. Uh, even just like, aside from recovery specific, but what I do as the peer recovery specialist, um, right now I have some support groups, uh, getting started. Uh, we, we've had recovery connections, which has been going on for a couple months. That's Fridays at three o'clock at the central library location, which is 140 Sockenosset road. Um, you know, and it's just kind of a place to come and, you know, it's no specific pathway to recovery or anything like that. Um, it's just people, who know the struggles and are just bonding and um, getting that social connection. So we have that one going on and we do like coffee and refreshments there. There's also uh, one that I'm starting in a couple weeks. Uh, it's We're calling it Rise and Recover. It's going to be Tuesday mornings at 9.30. I'm really excited for that one because I think that's like a, you know, great way to start your day off right is at a, uh, you know, at a meeting or a support group. Um, another resource that I think is important for the holidays or really just any time is BH Link um, from the BHTDH. So BH Link is like a 24-hour triage center for behavioral health crises. You know, if they're not medical, um, you can go there to get assistance. They have a 24-hour hotline. Their phone number is 401-414-LINK. That's 401-414-5465. You know, and that's kind of when you when you've reached that point where you're really just feeling unsafe and you're in crisis. That's a good resource to have, also. Oh, and that reminds me, um, there is a program that Anchor runs called Safe Stations, 
and um, they respond to the fire stations in Providence 24 hours a day. So if you need to talk to a coach, you're in crisis, you want to go to a facility, anything like that, you can just make your way to a fire station and they will contact Anchor and two coaches will come out to you. And that's any time, day or night. Fantastic. So is there anything else that either of you want people out there to know who want to get sober or want to stay sober this holiday season? I would say um, getting sober, clean or sober, um, it's hard. Um, I think the hardest part is going from being in your addiction to deciding that you want to be in recovery. And so don't get discouraged. Um, It's always the right choice to give up the drugs and the alcohol. It's always the right choice. Um, But make sure that you have some sort of support or that you have like a lot of times um, like detox from certain substances can be dangerous. So being in the care of um, a doctor or at a facility is important. Um, I think that life in recovery is not always, you know, it's not always peachy. It's, you know, things aren't always like rainbows and sunshine, but even my, they say like your worst day in recovery is still better than your best day in addiction. And it is true. Um, I don't know. We all experience uh, deep sorrows and great joys. Um, When you're using, it's, you're kind of like numb to both things. So you may not experience the, the hard parts of life and experience as much of that pain, um, so to speak, but you also don't get to experience like the really amazing things that life has to offer. And I wouldn't trade that in for anything. Like I feel I have some real bad days, but I also have some like amazing days that I'm glad that I'm, you know, clean and sober for, and I'm here and I'm feeling all of it. So you know, like I said, it's, it's always worth it. It's always the right choice. It's always going to be difficult in the, especially in the beginning. Um, it gets a lot easier, a lot easier. If I struggled every single day, like I did in the beginning, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, but if you do the right things and, um, you reach out and get the right help and, uh, you know, and if you want this, you can do it. Uh, you can absolutely do it. And, um, yeah, I would encourage people to definitely this holiday season um, reach out to places like Anchor and um, other organizations that are here to help you. That's good stuff. Yeah, I um, I definitely I think for me, um, I think one of the best things is to keep it simple. Um, kind of as far as you know, we kind of tend to get in our heads about stuff, and then everything Nicole said. Um, you know, for me, what works is like finding short phrases that like kind of, uh, you know, encapsulate that whole thing. You know, um, you know, one of my favorites for, you know, when I first uh, first became uh, abstinent and in recovery is uh, they have this phrase in one of the 12 step uh, fellowships is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. Um, for me right now, that's like uh, that's kept me away from cigarettes for five years. <laughs> like that's just been like, you know, cause I think about what, what would happen if I had just one, like, I think I, you know, when I try to, my brain tries to trick me into thinking I can, um, and you know, you are not alone. And then, um, this is also a phrase that originated, I think in 12 step programs, but 
widely used is just like keep coming, like keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, it gets better. Sometimes it seems overwhelming, especially when you're new, you want to have everything solved, uh, perfectly on day one. (laughs) And it's just like, not like that. And, you know, we, uh, every time I know, at least for me, like every time I stumble, I think, oh, that's it. I'm the worst. <laughs> like, this is never going to get better. But then if I actually like look back in a timeline of my recovery, it's like, no, I'm continuously progressively getting better. And that is because I keep showing up. And the, another phrase is uh, do the next right thing. Um, just focus on like that one thing in front of you and it'll it'll be OK. And um, and then I, I think I said that was the last one, but I lied. Uh, <laughs> um, there was uh, anything that's worth doing is worth doing, you know, even like in a half measure as far as, uh, you know, we talk about like harm reduction. Um, you know, if you really can't use at least learn how to use safely, don't don't especially when it comes to like opioids and which, you know, fentanyls and everything now, um, you know, learn how to use Narcan, have Narcan. I know they have it at Anchor. I have it here in my office. Uh, They also have it, I meant to mention this earlier, at every Cranston fire station. um, They have something similar to the safe stations, but not exactly. They just have Narcan available at any station. So if anybody uh, needs Narcan in Cranston, they can go to any of the Cranston fire stations um, and ask for it. And no, they won't ask for any personal information. It'll be completely confidential. And then... My uh, my last word of wisdom is you must commit yourself to believing that you are worth the work it takes to recover, which is kind of wordy. But, you know, I, I think for me, like I've learned that one of the reasons that I end up doing new things that are hard is because I believe that I'm worth it. So if I'm not there yet where I'm not believing where I'm worth it, I'm committing myself to like the idea that I might be worth it. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Um, and then lastly, really lastly, uh, you are not alone. There's help out there. There's plenty of people who have been where you are, or who are where you are. Um, and I think that's one of the most encouraging things that's been in my recovery. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to talk to us and willing to be vulnerable with us. No problem. So we end with a segment I call the last chapter where we talk about a library or bookish related question, uh, just to chat about it a little and wrap up the show. Um, So I thought I'd ask you both, where is your favorite place to read slash enjoy media? Um, I, so one of my favorite places to read is the beach. Um, You know, that is just, that's like my happy place. Um, But also like my front porch, you know, but also right now it's winter. So (laughs) like none of those things work. Um, I, I think I have a, you know, I have a really comfy chair in my living room. I like to read in that. Um, I sometimes like to read in bed, but my therapist said I shouldn't do that because I'm just training my brain to fall asleep to books. (laughs) And I'm in school right now, so that's not working out. (laughs) It's not going to be helpful if, uh, you know, I'm conditioned to fall asleep when I'm reading a book. So, (laughs) but definitely a big comfy chair is always a great choice. Yeah, I had the same thing in grad school where I had to stop reading slash doing homework in bed because I would fall asleep reading stuff for grad school. But now that I'm not doing grad school anymore, I do read in bed, usually before going to sleep. So it kind of like to wind down for the night. But no, if you if you've got a heavy part of your day is having to do reading. Yeah, no, that's a no go. Yeah, I 
would love to say that <clears throat> like I'm the kind of person who just likes to sit outside and enjoy a book, but I get way too distracted. Um, it's always like the sun, the glare, um, the wind's blowing in my face. Oh, look, there's a squirrel. Like I, it's very hard for me to read outside. So I, I read in bed. I like to read under a really comfy blanket and have my dogs laying all around me and just have no distractions and just me and my book. And when I do um, read for school, I don't do it in bed, but that reading's like the reading that I have to do for school is not the same. You know, it's, it's not the same. You're not doing it for enjoyment. It's like, you have to read it. Um, but I, yeah, and I do read before bed. So that is actually, I have insomnia. So being able to read in bed and like my brain think reading equals relaxation, sleep is so good for me. Cause if I can't sleep, I know I just read and it helps a lot. We asked this question before, and I think I said bed. I think I said that I really like you, Nicole, you know, comfy blanket, get real snuggly and just, but yeah, that is a more recent thing. I'm with you, Victoria. I would be like falling asleep reading for grad school. I'd be like, <laughs> what was I doing? Oh no. Um, yeah. I actually took a quiz last week in bed at like, it was due at like 1159 and I started it at like 10 and it was like falling asleep in between questions. I was like, definitely like that end of semester. Uh, I feel you. So best of luck to both of you. Been there, done that. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you both for joining me here today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us here at Downtime, you can do that by emailing us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. Or you can now reach out to us via social media with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. If you're feeling generous, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it helps people find the show. And thank you again for listening. And this has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a project of the Cranston Public Library and is produced by Zach Berger, Cassidy Mills, Robin Nizio, and me, Taylor Cardillo. Audio engineering by Dave Bartos. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. And our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts. Connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. Join us next week for more Downtime. That's why I like, um, oh my God, from Firefly. I'm so embarrassed because, like, I cosplayed her. Like, I love her. Thank you, Dave. Okay. <laughs>